That's us. Live. Hello. Hello, mate. How you doing? Good. Excellent. That's pleasing. Thank you so much for joining. It's much appreciated. Yeah. Just before Christmas, kind of. Are you feeling in the Christmas spirit yet? Are you there? Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, definitely feeling that uh, uh, end of the year. Uh, ready to be out the door. I've got one more day of work. And then on Saturday, I'm uh, flying to Frankfurt for two weeks. Very nice. Very cool. Yeah. Before we get to that, I'll do what I forgot last week as well. You're Alex Dupler. You work with Microsoft. Yeah. Do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a bit what, what about you do, and then we can get into the good stuff. I mean, you are the yeah. good stuff. Don't get me wrong, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I work at Microsoft, um, but I don't work on a Microsoft product. I work on a BI platform to help uh, one of our sales teams know how well they're doing. So I build um, sort of our data warehouse. And like really the way I describe what I do is my job is to make people successful with Power BI in my little sliver of Microsoft. So <laughs> that yeah. sounds cool. That sounds like a very reasonable and good use of Power BI. So basically you work with reports analytics to kind of enable them to perform better is this is what yeah yeah so i sort of do two th main things one i am the lead pm for our data warehouse uh project and so figuring out you know which tables we should expose how they should be you know what the schema should be how do we prioritize helping the developers solve those problems cool and then, and one of the expressions of our data warehouse is a Power BI based enterprise semantic model. So, when we have new data, you know, some of it goes in the in the enterprise model, some of it just goes in the data warehouse. Okay. Um, and so I help help us decide that, as well as you know, since I'm a sort of one of our expert uh, Power BI developers, I sort of help the dev team okay. make decisions about what they're going to. Um, how we can use it, like build the tabular model effectively. Um, right. So then on top of that, the other thing that I do hmm. is act sort of as an in-house consultant, which is we have all these yeah. analysts that use Power BI and, you know, my, my sort of my door is always open and, and I try and spend as much time helping them yeah. with building their stuff. Most of the time they're using the data the data that I provided for them. So like a lot of it is sort of helping them, you know, there's over a hundred tables in the tabular model, you know, in the data warehouse, there's probably twice that mm -hmm. thousands of columns. So helping them make sure they know which things to use and, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. Sounds fun. The consultant part for me is always the challenging, but also the most most fun part, to be honest, it's yeah. kind of the problems that come up every single day and kind of like all this ad hoc. And then you got to think and then try not to panic when you get a question, when it, when a yeah. data scientist comes along and asks a really, really complex question, I just kind of want to run away and say, no, I'm going to try and come up with an answer anyway. I always say, yes, I'm, I'm here for any questions that you want. And the data scientist yeah. comes along. I'm like, okay, I'm expecting a far more complex question because it's a data scientist, but it's fun, oh. fun anyway, for sure. Cool. That sounds like a really interesting job. Nice. Yeah, it's great. Very cool. And and, and, you know, it, and on on that note, uh, we're hiring. So there's a there's on uh, um, on careers.microsoft.com. If you search for 
uh, BI architect, you'll see a PM role that will work hand in hand with me. Uh, we've already got some good candidates, but I think we're going to post a second one of those roles here in a in pretty soon. Cool. So uh, that sounds like fun. I think it might be US only this role, but uh, you know, better to apply and, and get told no than. Uh, I, I get I get told that quite often, so it's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. uh, so Jeff is, is, is expecting. I, I think it also all of us are expecting a few yeah. um, a few bars so, of that uh, sax, mate. So so this is somewhat defensive, but uh, I, the saxophone is missing a part that is necessary for it to make sound. Fair uh, enough. So. Your so, mouth. Uh, well, there's that, but also, you know, it's, it's mostly metal, but it uses these wooden reeds and, and you have to put a reed on and I okay. wore out my last one and, uh, didn't get new ones. So I'm sure even without that, you could make it sound yeah. better than I could make any instrument sound. I, I, I pride yeah. myself on being terrible at every single instrument that I've ever picked up in my entire life. I'm yeah. musically not at all gifted. It's, it's very upsetting. I did a lot of music all through middle school, high school, all through college, played in lots of groups. I was not very good. You know, the, <laughs> I had a lot of experience. There were some things that I had learned to do, but like my rhythm sense, hmm. not very good. Fair um, enough, so. And, and pitch like with buttons was great, but you know, I did some music theory classes and we'd have to like sing intervals and sing like sight sing and oh i was so bad at that stuff yeah fair enough so. everyone's going for careless whisper i'm not sure i think kind of sax isn't that really awesome is it jerry rafferty's song Baker no, so it's, it's a it's a what is it meatloaf or something like that uh but uh yeah there's like a meme video of like the sexy sax man and like uh suspenders and no shirt playing the the, the careless whisper uh, okay hook class I, I thought the other day that it might be cool with them maybe learn the drums but then i always realized i'm probably just having some kind of early midlife crisis and actually not that early probably just an actual midlife crisis so i thought yeah, yeah. let's just get that out of my head straight away never mind and also i'm not sure if any, has anyone picked up on this the famous pbix cap in the background also known as the pbix cap yeah the, yeah the i really like my my pbix hat just it's got that the other day and uh looks good I like it. It's awesome, mate. It's a it's a top notch hat. When I saw it appear on your profile pic on Twitter, I was very happy because I was like, just some time to use that for the um, for the card for the for this video. So that is a very very yeah. awesome cap. Is that like a? Did you get a custom made or is it a no a, no a Microsoft can, merch? If you go to uh, powerbi.tips, and uh, it's one of their merch items. I did not so, know that. Is so the, Mike Carlo, you know, he's he's the Power BI hustler. He he's there to. To All monetize right. whatever, whatever like ideas it. come along. So, so not it's not too late for a, 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 a self a, a Christmas present to myself basically to get some of Peabig's hat. And... Well, it might be too late to get it by Christmas, but it's not too late to buy it by. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if it's for myself, I don't mind if it's on time or not. Again, just to sit in the background as well because I think it looks too cool to go in my head. In my head, yeah. can't pull off a, a, a cap at all. But nice cap. And I, just, I always like to bring up the PBX versus PBIX question because it just upset people. That's funny. Is that a blackboard in the back of your office? It is. It's a blackboard. Where is it? Here. This is my blackboard, which I, I painted on the wall myself because nice. um, it's really it, uh, helpful because when I, 
I used it for free reasons when I kind of like sketching out like a, uh, some calculation or something. But also what's come in really handy is that it's helped to teach my daughter maths recently because she comes home from school. She, she needs to practice her maths that we do on the wall. But the main reason I did it is because I'm very, very lazy and I wanted like something to decorate my room with and I want something big and easy. And I was like, blackboard would work because it just takes a ton of space and it looked quite fun. So, yeah. Yeah, I've got a, a whiteboard on the wall over behind my nice my camera here. Yeah. Um, I don't use yeah. it as much as I thought I would, but I like having it. Maybe someday uh, I'll spend and replace it with a Surface Hub. That'd be really cool. That would be pretty awesome. Yes, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah, splash yeah. out on a Surface Hub. Maybe one day, you know, if, spend... let you know when you get yours, and I'll get mine out. I'll replace the backboard with, with a Surface Hub, and yeah. then it'll look pretty flash, right? Pretty flash. Not cool. And you're flying to Germany soon, right? You said you were coming over there because yeah, yeah. So, oh my, my in-laws and sort of the whole family were going to uh, do sort of a two-week loop trip, uh, sort of from Frankfurt and down and around. And um, cool. So my my brother-in-law and mother-in-law run a brewery, and they specialize in german style beers all right um, and then also my father-in-law was was based uh in in germany sort of in the cold war when he was in the air force okay and so there's a lot of you know nostalgia and mm. things that we want to sort of travel so in 2019 sort of our family christmas present uh was uh let's all go to germany and so we were going to go in october 2020 which of course was canceled uh, so then this summer, like, okay, well, hmm. sort of looking, uh, okay, let's go over Christmas. Yeah. Um, now it turns out we should have gone, you know, over Thanksgiving a couple of weeks ago and it wasn't quite before, before things started getting worse again, but, yeah. uh, I think gotcha. it'll be okay. We've all gotten our, our third, third, our booster shot. So yeah, we're not, we're not too worried. I hope so, mate. Yeah. I've got some family who's meant to be flying over on the 23rd and I was like, maybe can you pull mm -hmm. the flight forward? Like. A week just to be just to be safe you know what i mean um but yeah. yes it should be fine i'm sure you have a, a lovely time um yeah i wanted to discuss this just because today there has been a power bi update yeah that I, that I haven't used yet i haven't looked at it i know everyone's been getting very excited about spark lines because it's been a request for yeah. ages now i'm going to use them and i'll put them in however I, it's not something i've ever actually thought about needing i'm sure they're cool and i'm sure once i use them i'll be happy but i don't think i've ever used been building a report and thinking oh, I could really use some spark lines right now. I'm probably this is probably a really, really unpopular opinion. I'm sure they're totally awesome, but I've never thought about it. Have you used spark lines? Yeah. So um I made use of spark lines a fair bit back when I was doing stuff in Excel. Yeah. Um I think in that form, you know, they're they're a reasonable way to set context, but they're they're tricky. Um and, you know, I think one thing that's really exciting about this release is when Sparklines were first put on the release notes, the sort of demo version was about the worst imaginable implementation of Sparklines, which is that they were still square. And, and what we actually got is way better than um, uh, I think funny. some people had feared. Uh, so yeah. that's great. Um, but... Um, you know, I mean, if you've got a big table and, you know, you've got 10 different breakdowns and you've got, mm. you know, a couple metrics and a year over year number, having a trend 
is in a spark line can be super great, but yeah, for sure. um, you know, it's it's only one tool. Um, of course, sure. No, no again, I'm sure I'll, I'll use them and love them. It's just because yeah. um, it was like the because I think it would be like it's like the the biggest or the most requested feature, right? And I remember I was speaking to Phil Seamark a few weeks ago, and he was saying he was been working on this this Sparkline project, etc. So it all sounded mm-hmm. very interesting. So I'm looking forward to. I was just, I mean, I mean, those this project phase at the moment, a couple of my projects where they're kind of winding down, so I'm not adding anything. So because I'm when I'm working all day and I'm kind of finishing off projects, I haven't really got any time to try and do any new stuff. Um, so I'll, I'm sure I'll get that to, to, to tomorrow. Yeah, should be cool. Today was meant to be a Deneb day, but again, I didn't have time for that either. So Deneb day will oh, have to be fancy. pushed back until tomorrow. Yeah, it's good fun. I'm, I'm getting a little bit less terrible at it, which is quite cool. Can't, can't be a bit of Deneb. Yeah, one second. Jeff Sweet is going to dampen the vibe. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's excellent. Okay. So basically, we're sitting at the... Uh, yeah, comes, I mean, uh, Excel has huge, huge capabilities in terms of there's, you know, they've had 20 years to add new yeah. settings and knobs and dials. And mm. um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think it's probably because I don't have, before I used Power BI, I wasn't the best Excel user. So maybe it's because of, uh, because of that as well. Yeah. Hybrid tables for sure, actually. Are they premium only? I think they are premium only. Okay. Um, which I mean, so I have mixed feelings. On the one hand, part of me is like, "Hey, licensing should be about uh, horsepower and distribution." You know, for a long time at Microsoft. So at Microsoft, everybody has a pro license. So for a long time, it was like, "Hey, these premium features—they're great," but like, I can't use them, mm. and it's not like I'm going to buy premium because everybody mm. has a pro license. Yeah. Now with premium per user, now everybody has a premium per user license, so I don't doesn't matter to me as much. Uh, Fair enough, yeah. Which is a ridiculous way to set up licensing in an org. Like it only works because we don't have to pay. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, great, they want to do that. That's that's great. Um, and but so on the one hand, it's like, hey, your solution architecture shouldn't, in my opinion, shouldn't be like a licensing access like it shouldn't be like Mm. hey if you need this feature like you gotta pay more even though like if you didn't have that one feature the you'd only need two pro licenses instead of yeah you know a premium capacity however with ppu that's a little less ridiculous and like that's not super common i mean if you look at the feature differences between sql server standard versus enterprise edition like they're all about being like, well, if your architecture needs this, then you got to pay four times as much. Yeah. So maybe that's an unreasonable expectation. But but yeah, hybrid tables are super cool. Um, I'm not going to use them because one, it only supports a few data sources out the door. Okay. We're not using the ones that are supported. We're using Databricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, the revenue, like the data pipelines that I have have mm. like two days of latency in them already. So I don't need to get uh, okay. today's data like a few hours faster. That doesn't help. Fair um, enough. Yeah. I think on the topic of premium and that kind of stuff, I, yeah. the only reason I care to any great level is probably just jealousy, to be, to be honest. <laughs> I see all yeah. these things now hybrid tables and I would love to 
use them and have experience and also just about growth, you know, to actually yeah. use something that I um, don't have access to so I can, I can learn more and do more. Now I know we have, you know, the, the, the um, premium per user. So I, yeah. I, I, I use that, 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 that I am, you know, the, 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 the test phase or the test mm -hmm. license, whatever you want to call it, which was great. And I used it, it was good fun, but I also kind of wanted to be fair. And I didn't want to kind of say to my boss, ah, oh, can I get PPU just cause I kind of, you know, want to play around yeah. and do so. It'll be of like absolutely no benefit to the organization whatsoever, but I'll get to learn some stuff. So I, at some point I might go back to it, but it's, uh, I just, yeah, I just see stuff and I say, ah, oh, that'd be cool. So, well, a couple thoughts. One, like asking your boss to spend money on your professional development is totally legit, especially if it's only $10 a month. I, mean, I understand that. I, I, I should, I, I agree with that. I should refer, just in case anyone from my work sees this, my organization are awesome at spending money. This is actually one of the reasons just to like, yeah. they have spent money on like the tabular editor course and stuff. So I just kind of want to meet yeah. them halfway, but yes, please continue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, I mean, how big is your organization? Well, good question. But like 1200 or something, 1500. Like 1200. Okay. So it starts to be in this gray area where, so I'm assuming you don't have premium. So you've got pro licenses for everybody who's looking at a report. Yeah. It's not unreasonable at that scale to say, Hey, let's just get premium per user yeah. for everybody who's looking at a report. If, if those features like are making a difference and you know, it, it's a it, it sort of depends on, on what you're doing. I, yeah. I mean, we have in our org, like we have such a big need for bigger models yeah. that like, we just couldn't do it with, with one gig models. I mean, we sort of did for a while and it worked okay, but we also had lots of analysis services cubes sitting around. Um, yeah. So we really weren't, but if you're fine under a gig, then maybe maybe you don't need it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. No, we, we, I looked at, the, of course, the whole yeah. just using premium. But I think the, the number of licenses that we had was, is a lot fewer than the number of employees that we have. So right. financially, it would be a big step up. Because right. Of, well, I mean, that's sort of what I was saying. It's like maybe mm -hmm. you should just get everybody a PPU license. Like you're spending $10 a month. That's 20 you know, um, yeah. if it's only a hundred, you know, or two hundred employees, maybe I was just being too nice. Maybe I was just thinking that I, I, I feel like I've, I've, I've maybe put my, my boss in a bad light here by saying I didn't want to request a ten bucks a month. He's an awesome guy. He would totally do it. I was just trying to think. Yeah, it's okay. I've got kind of what I need yeah. so far, so it's fine. But yeah, you're quite right. Of course, I have it. But that's 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 by the by. I still get frustrated by um, premium because I see all these cool stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, when you stand. Yeah. When um, and I think also because sometimes some of the stuff like I think I mentioned this somehow on Twitter the other week where you see the cool features being released and it's just kind of like, but can we have columns that are like auto adjust for the width, please? Just yeah. a, a, a definable columns, all that kind of stuff. So it's just small stuff. I I totally understand that, but it's, um, you see it sometimes when it, also hybrid hybrid tables would be awesome to look at because I think it'd be quite yeah a feature yeah. I mean, sure. there's a lot of things you can do like. The idea behind hybrid tables is really cool. And you can start to think, so right now it only supports like the most recent partition being in direct query. Okay. I could see, hey, we've got 10 years of history on this fact table. Mm. Maybe let's just put five years in direct query and if somebody wants it, they can wait. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that could be really, 
Really interesting. I'm just going to get deeper into this whole license yeah. model thing um, after been out. Also, been out well, well done for getting your kids to bed. It's always a challenge. Nice one. Welcome. Yeah. Um, pro license. And one of the most confusing things that with, with Power BI licenses was when people refer to the free license. It's like I have a free license. Yeah. Because that really confuses me because I never, never considered the free license to be a license at all. Yeah. It's really confusing. I, mean, I think, I think so one down on a licensing expert, because everywhere I've always worked hmm. that's had power BI has been Microsoft where like, we just have licenses coming out of our ears. Uh, <laughs> Cause uh, it doesn't really matter, but sure. um, you know, I think there's a sort of a sop for um, IT admins that like, hmm. so if you've got a premium capacity, you can, assign if you don't assign free licenses to users they'll never be able to see a report because they won't have a license to yeah. log in um so it's like almost like an off switch for report consumption hmm. it's sort of silly to think of that as a license but that's that's how they did it yeah i think i, I spent so when i when i was first using power bi i spent about a year and a half fighting back when people said pro license because i'm not sure if it's something changed or it's just because i changed organization i'm not sure if something changed within power bi i remember the first org where I worked somehow, if you had a PBX, PBIX, and you wanted to publish that, if you didn't have a pro license, you couldn't publish that at all. You couldn't access a workspace. You couldn't do anything. Yeah. But you can publish a report if you don't have a license and you can read reports in your own workspace if you don't have a license, right? Yeah. So yeah. they made some change when, before premium existed, the rules were different and. Okay. Okay. When they added premium, things sort of reached basically the state they are now. They haven't really changed since mm. then. Okay. Um, and definitely, it's not an org thing because you can't turn off my workspace. I know there's lots of IT admins out there that would love to turn off my workspace. <laughs> but, uh, you know, cool. That's somewhat flies in the face of the self service ethos that that. Uh, it does. We're trying to. It does. So I don't mean to completely pummel you with questions about license and stuff, mate. It just kind of yeah. came up, and I, I think about it quite often. And unfortunately, you're the one who's sitting there in front of the camera, so I'm just kind of talking <laughs> at you and think, oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. The uh, but I, I, when you're developing reports and then someone's workspace, I I try my best to never ever use the my workspace. I do like it also, by the way. It's also here. I love me some of my workspace. I do love my yeah. workspace, but it's it's not particularly collaborative. You know what I mean? If you're like using working reports, I really I really don't like using my workspace because I suddenly realized, oh no, I'm off on holiday now and it's I have a terrible situation or that kind of stuff. Yeah, I always strongly discourage folks from using my workspace mm. in our org. Um, they should just make workspaces. Workspaces are free, and they bring they bring extra functionality that. You may not need, but like, mm. why, mm. why take that chance? Just make a workspace. It's no big deal. Um, yeah. So I feel I should spend more time actually in, I mean, obviously I spent a lot of time in workspaces, doing stuff with workspaces and then, but I kind of see myself slipping more and more to do like more admin type stuff with Power BI and yeah. spending more time in there. And I think this is why today I kind of just tweeted about wanting the folders, <laughs> the workspaces, because it was just sick of like opening them and then seeing this because actually i'm not sure like i know everyone for me everyone uses workspaces differently and people use apps and all this type of stuff i don't use 
rarely use apps. The organization, especially what we have at my company, we have like, if it's a, if it's a report that's considered like a global report, as in mm-hmm. many different departments at the company need, need access to this report. We have a workspace for that. Yeah. yeah. So, so instead of to put them in a, in a workspace for that department, we go into like a centralized company workspace. Yeah. Yeah. Be- I, I know this was, this was really popular. This is a popular way to set up Power BI. And, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of folks in the chat giving me a hard time because lots of companies lock up workspaces. And when I was speaking there, I was talking about our organization because yeah, yeah. the way it works for us is anybody, well, any FTE can make a workspace. So it's not, yeah. it's not how we do things, but mm-hmm. uh, the way I think about workspaces is um, a workspace is a container for a set of reports that are distributed together. Yeah. Hopefully in an app. And it totally makes sense to me that yeah. you could have, so first of all, uh, one app, one audience. Mm-hmm. So you could very reasonably have multiple audiences for like, even the thing you just described, it's go- sort of global. It goes to lots of folks. Mm. Okay. But maybe not everything goes to all the lots of folks. Mm. Um, and then also you may just want to have like an app that's like on a particular topic and like, yes, the, you know, the people receiving this app also receive some other app, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. okay. But when, when you're building an app, like you can have a controlled experience. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that like before workspaces V2, which, you know, the, the new workspaces, although at this point, like that's been a long time. Like yeah, sure. it was super annoying because every time you made a workspace, it made like a Teams channel. And so no wonder folks yeah, like that. Yeah, but yeah. like now, like you make a workspace and, you know, it's just a workspace. Yeah. And yes, yeah. like you don't want to just make them for anything. You you need to like, why make a new workspace when you have an existing workspace that will work perfectly fine? Hmm. But if you've got a solution that's a collection of reports that are going to be distributed together, why not? Um, uh, why not think of it that way? So yeah, fair enough. So I, yeah, yeah, you're both making. I say you and Alexia are both making a very good point for it. I'll I'll I'll, re- I'll read look at apps and I'll um I'll try to reassess my opinion on them. I think I, I, it was a quite a while ago, certainly over a year ago, that I was working around with them and not particularly enjoying them. So I have to look at that and I'll try and I'll try and use them a little bit more. But still think groups would be good by the way, or folders anyway. I could be wrong. I'm often wrong. But I looked and I was like, if not folders, just like a drop down to group them together and like be able to drop a section down and back up again. Do you know what I'm saying? So you assign them all a label and the labels can like be get me yeah. minimized. Uh, there's definitely room for one more level of organization mm-hmm. within Power BI, I think. Mm-hmm. I think the folks that are like, hey, this nesting stuff is horrible. Uh, I think Alex Powers made a comment about nested SharePoint sites. And yeah, yeah totally. We don't want to go all the way down that road. Sure. But there's definitely room for one or two more layers of organization. You know, uh, I... And Microsoft, I have access to thousands of workspaces. Yeah. Um, well, maybe not thousands, but but hundreds of workspaces. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'd love if there was some organization, 
either within the workspace or mm-hmm. grouping together. Like, so for example, I've got a, a, the solution that I deliver, we don't use deployment pipelines, but we have a dev test and prod workspace. And we also have another workspace that is um, sort of like a metadata workspace that's associated with our Teams channel because workspace is V1. Anyway, so we've got like four, and then we've got a data flows workspace. So we've got five workspaces associated with this one solution. Yeah. I would love to be able to group those together and pen them so that I can find them faster instead of having to scroll all the way down to M or type in the search bar. Sure. on the flip side, if you're in a, one of these organizations that locks down workspaces, so you only have 10 for your organization, yeah, then you might have 50 reports in the workspace and maybe you do need a folder. Yeah. So some sort of organization, additional mm-hmm. layer of organization, I think would be great. And um, definitely some of the stuff around the multiple apps thing Mm-hmm. might alleviate some of this stuff. Uh, I saw some ideas around it and I don't know what they, I don't remember what they've shared and I don't remember. I mean, it's what I saw was a long time ago. It's possible that sure. it's all thrown out the door, but like, I definitely think the multiple apps thing is thinking about these problems. Yeah, for sure. So, that would be helpful. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll relook at apps and then with this update of multiple apps, that could be quite mm-hmm. cool. Actually, I, what used to be my favorite way of sharing reports would be to share the embed, the um, embed link, because if you share the embed link, of course, you're just opening in a browser and you just get report, nothing else, just report. And I think that looks very, very cool. Cause that was always just actually someone had that link and they opened the, in the browser, they would just get basically the report page. I'm not sure if that's kind of the same thing as using yeah. an app, actually. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. We definitely do some embedding, and that can be nice. Yeah. Um, we, we, we use apps a lot. One of the other things we've done is we've used the secure embed link from a report to embed it into the app from another workspace. So we've got some reports that we're distributing as part of one app. Yeah. Like we've got like a, and then like we've got like an execution report suite that we distribute to all our sales managers and it has their metrics that they're supposed to, you know, hit in terms of contacting leads or Hmm. we call it a little different, but something along those lines. And then we've got an executive summary app that we share with uh, our leadership team. And in that app, we've embedded like one of the reports from the execution report and one of the reports from like another group's app suite into Mm. this leadership thing. So we don't have to have two copies of the same report, Mm. but it's actually just like inside of the the report, like there's a little bit, there's like a little eye in the corner. It's the only difference between a native native Mm. report and an embedded report within the the app. Um, So yeah, if you take a secure embed link and you paste it in the URL of the app, yeah. Uh, okay. Load inside this this window, it'll just show up as another web page, and that's quite cool. See, this thing, there are so many options. This is the thing, yeah. and I, I, I know, I obviously with for, for anything you know, tech or Power BI or report related, it's all strong opinions, and that this is the right way, yeah. that's the best way. But there are so many options, and when there are so many options, and every yeah. everyone can think that this way is the best way, and you should definitely do it that way. But 
when you have so many possibilities, people are going to use those possibilities, you know? And this is why you have yeah. to, people end up doing things in such a widely different ways and having to support yeah. all those different ways must be very, very complex, to be honest. So I can... It is, but I think it's also a sign of a healthy productivity tool, right? Yes, like, of course, yeah. Like, that, like having tools that people can use that are multifunctional, right, mm. uh, is is a great sign of a good tool, right? You yeah. Know, I think there's like a – Alton Brown did a video about uh, kitchen tools, and he like he was making fun of unitaskers, like an mm. apple core – and it's like these tools, like they're, they're only good for one thing. And yeah. the sign of a good tool is something that can be used in many different ways. Yeah. Right. So like, uh, it's, it's great to see that, you know, there's, there's lots of flexible ways. Um, um, so Susan, you popped up mentioned she Sorry. wishes yes. we could have uh, dashboards for an organization wide KPIs somehow. And, uh, uh, you know, this is this is, I think, exactly the mission statement that they put up on the wall when they designed goals. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're using OKRs to plan their business, and you know, Arun said, "I I want I want a first class experience for OKRs and Power BI," and, and they came up mm. with goals. Now, it's premium only, uh, but uh, we've been we've been using goals more, and, and we're pretty happy with it uh, for that sort of you know, organizational KPIs, you know, you can embed, you can grab data points from reports in lots of workspaces and put them in this one goal page. Mm. And then you click on the goal, it links you back to the report. And so you can also have like a goal mm. that everybody can see, but they can't go see the detailed report because they're not, they don't necessarily need access to all the data, mm. you know, like, they can see the goal that says we're at 98% of our quota, but they can't go look at the details of everybody's quota. And that's, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah, so, that's true. That's quite cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. Goals is awesome. I just used it a small amount. And um, it's one of the things that I wasn't sure, again, wasn't sure what it's about, what it's for. And then I looked at it and kind of played around and said, yeah, this is actually very cool. Enjoyed it very much. Yeah. I've got to ask on, on the subject, we're talking about all this stuff now. And I've asked a question, do you use dashboards? Uh, no, we yeah, don't. Okay. Um, I don't think, I don't think dashboards are, I think da dashboards uh, didn't work out. And in okay. some ways, I think goals are a potentially a good replacement for dashboards, right? Taking uh, individual points and like specific insights from a collection of reports yeah. and putting them in some sort of, you know, landing page that, Mm. has links out to all the reports like it's in many ways the same thing as dashboards uh but uh you know you don't have as much like you have even less customizability for dashboards which i always thought was sort of the problem with dashboards is like you could customize them yeah but not enough and so it was just sort of like fiddly work and with goals they're like okay great yeah. we're just going to show you the number and a sparkline and that's it yeah and like fair enough it, it's so much it's so much lighter weight and so like we have the people making our goals are not report developers they're business managers yeah um and that's that's great for them absolutely um so. no, i I haven't used dashboards in a long time. I think it's, no. it's everyone seems to be like the general consensus that people don't use them. 
Yeah. What you say, I completely agree. I mean, um, I think the idea behind dashboards was was great, makes perfect sense, but they're not too kind of fiddly, finicky to kind of put together, you know, and um, just even didn't seem to be like developed out enough. So right. to, to, and, to and he, sorry. So what you get for that fiddling is not that much, right? Yeah. You know, like, yes, designing a report page is very fiddly and you're bouncing in and out of settings and, yeah. you know, there's a long list of things that they could do to make those workflows better. But at least when you're done, you have something that's good. And yeah, exactly. the time you invested actually had an impact on how it looks. But when you're yeah. like dragging around those boxes and dashboards, like you spent a bunch of time hmm. and you didn't, you didn't really have an impact on. You've got like kind of four kind of different rectangles that kind yeah. of thing together. So is this, is this Bernard saying that actually they now use dashboards? Okay. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. There you go. I yeah, mean, they're adopting dashboards. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, but I, I, I never actually thought about goals as a replacement for dashboards. This is actually a really good point. It's essentially, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, if they literally wanted to replace dashboards with goals, they'd have to make it not a premium feature. Or maybe they'd just be like, "Hey, you guys don't use dashboards. Yeah, you don't need dashboards." But it's just, it's uh, funny. That, that that would probably be the one thing that I wouldn't care about being premium if it was a replacement for dashboards, because I think so few people use them. I mean, I'm not being, again, I'm being selfish. I'm just thinking about me, right? <laughs> but I can't imagine anyone missing them like too much, you know? Yeah. Try goals and you move to dashboards. That's really interesting. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, they have, a, they have a use, but I just think, again, if they would to, to, to be nice at the use, to be, to be more to more user-friendly, you'd have to, it's just actually the, the creation of them as well. Even the small stuff, like dragging them out and putting, it's like, why can't I make it precisely how big I want it to be? It's like, really, like, it has to be here, but then it moves to here. It's really, it's quite a strange thing. But um, it yeah. kind of just feels like it's like a, it was like a V1 that never kind of progressed, which is fair because, I mean, why bother progressing it if, or developing it if there's no great use yeah. case for them? Just a few sparkles. Yeah. Just a few spot wow. lines. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, we didn't just want the top pieces of information. Then we want a little more detail. Hmm. Yeah, you can maybe do that with a dashboard, but you could also do that by building a report. And like, yeah. yes, uh, the link between a report and a data set and like, okay, you've got a bunch of several reports you're trying to summarize. Maybe there's a thing you could do with composite models. Um, the challenge okay. with composite models so well there's a couple of challenges i've i have demoed composite models to my users a lot of times and um some they're getting some use i'd say there's a couple challenges one uh in the design view it's impossible to tell which fields are from which reports so if you're not making relationships between your models you're just saying hey i want to make a visual from model a next to a visual from model b you really have to be careful to keep your field straight between the models. And mm. so like if model A and model B share some tables that are similarly named, you're having a really hard time telling which ones are from which. Because you can't even mouse over to get the, maybe you can now, but it's like there's no color coding or prefixes or folders to mm. separate the tables from each model. So the other approach, instead of just like, hey, I connected to four models and I have each model comes from from a, a different, or each visual comes from a different model, you could try to make some relationships and like have some master dimensions. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And that's great as long as you don't accidentally do something that's terrible. You know, so for example, the, the demo that I like to do when I show my users is we've got our customer dimension. Yeah. And uh, in our business, our customer dimension has about 7 million rows, okay. which is huge. Uh, but but it doesn't really matter for this example. Say it was 200,000. You know, uh, say I've got a list and I've got uh, two customer IDs and I'm bringing in like a master dimension and I want to share. And so what I want to do is I want to say, so for my two customers, they're categorized into category A and category B. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make a relationship from my imported dimension to my remote customer dimension and then pull in some fact like revenue. And show the revenue for category A and the revenue for category B. That works amazing. Okay. But if you reverse that relationship and say, I have a table with two rows, the uh, the survey results for customer A and customer B. One of them gave us a seven and one of them gave us a three. Mm. And you pull a visual where you want to say, great, for all my customers, I want to see the survey results, the sum of survey results by uh, customer geography, right? So I've pulled in a dimension for my customer table that's got, you know, a couple different rows Mm -hmm. and I'm filtering my remote table with just two rows. That will not work because the filter that passes from the remote model to my fact table, Mm -hmm. the remote model doesn't know how many rows are in my fact table. And so all it does is it sends, it says, hey, category A or Geo one has these 50,000 IDs and Geo B has these 50,000 IDs. You mm-hmm. figure out how much to put in each of those categories. And mm-hmm. so the query text now has 100,000 IDs in it. That's technically possible, yeah. but we've gone from a query that runs in 10 milliseconds to a query that runs in 10 seconds. Yeah. Um, and if you go over that 1 million value mark, the query just fails. Um, so there's there's like so many like okay if the composite model is used this way it's perfect and if it's used this way then it just doesn't work yeah uh, so I think yeah it's a lot of effort and you have yeah. to be very careful essentially yeah and um, well I brought up a comment here before yeah so much work and we're staying away from them. Um, which I think is a reasonable point I think helpful but mm-hmm. i think because of the effort and the and, and the um the attention that you have to pay then perhaps it's a solution that people are kind of the, not the favorite solution basically they're a great tool for the power bi pro uh what they're not mm-hmm. is what that i think a lot of us hope they would be which is that i the power bi pro big build an enterprise composite or enterprise semantic model and you the business uh analyst who has an expertise in a particular area of business Hmm. has a table that has some mappings that are specific to your area of the business. And you want to report on everything that something that's in the enterprise model, but broken down by your mappings that you just came up with. Hmm. And without composite models, you either build your own tabular model that re-implements everything in the enterprise model Hmm. that you care about, or you come to me and you ask, hey, can I get this table added? And I'm like, yeah, I think it'll take us two days and I can pencil you in for a sprint yeah. uh, six weeks from now. 
and so like you're waiting six weeks for me to do you know two hours of dev work and you know some testing and uh and so could composite models have solved that problem Uh, I, i don't know um but I think that's what when you know Marco Russo said like this is the holy grail of of business intelligence like that's mm. the s- problem that he was hoping this would solve. Mm. Um, there's other ways to solve it. Well, my my favorite idea here is can we have the enterprise semantic model defined in the data warehouse and if I, the business user, want to make my own import model, I can just check the boxes and be like, hey, I only need uh, these three tables and then a Power BI file will be built for me that contains those three tables, just like when I'm importing now, but it also contains the relationships and the measures that are valid with just those three tables and whatever RLS. Like every part of the semantic model that's valid for the scope of data I selected. And then I can add the things to the model mm. that I want. And I have my own little fast local import because I didn't check the box for the billion row fact table. I just checked the box for the things that I actually needed. Yeah. Or maybe I did choose the billion row fact table and I you know, added a filter parameter or two to it. So now I have my nice import model that's just for my little problem. And I didn't throw out all the work that my, my enterprise team did. Yeah. Um, but today, sort of the answer is, well, the power, like the, the tabular model is both the in-memory cache of your mm-hmm. data and the definition of your semantic model. And I mm-hmm. think it would be interesting if the definition of your semantic model could live above the specific in-memory cache. This is sort of what you see on Twitter on the like, uh, outside the Microsoft bubble and like the metrics store folks. That's really mm. sort of what they're talking about is like a, a metadata definition of okay. your measures mm. that's independent of the storage of those measures of that data. But yeah. I have to say with the way you've spoken about this, I now think if mm-hmm. I ever have a question about compass that the models, I'm going to come straight to you because the, yeah. the, the fluency of the, the which you spoke about was okay. This is, this is, this is all very helpful. So. Cool. Thank you. That was, uh, yeah. I, 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 this is, I, I say this quite often, but again, the, one of the reasons I just, I enjoy these chats is because I never have any idea where they're going to end up. And if someone told me, oh, today we're going to be talking about like workspaces and stuff and then composite models, I would never have guessed that at all because it's yeah. so far from what I usually do, but it's again, interesting and cool to learn yeah. and to hear what people think about things. And, uh, yeah, very cheers, man. Much appreciated. Yeah, I had no idea what we were going to talk about coming in either. Uh, exactly. You know, this has been, we ended up on a couple of my l- recent hobby horses, but but I, I didn't necessarily try and push this there. <laughs> Not at all, man. No, it's just the way it goes, right? Yeah. Getting towards 45 minutes. I, I'll, um, it was great to, to have you on. And you're, um, yeah. but you're going to be in Germany for, for Christmas or are you going back in the US for Christmas? Or you spending... No, we're, we're coming back on New Year's Day. Um, okay. So, yeah. Cool. I hope it snows in that case for you, Andrew. Right? Does it? Yes. You're in Seattle, right? Or am I completely wrong about that? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in Seattle. Okay. Does it snow um, there very often? Um, it snows here every other year, every okay. year. You know, as the climate's been getting a little wilder, it's been more like every year. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's usually like, but by every year, I mean like one week or maybe yeah, two okay. weeks. Like we get 
one day we'll get three to six inches. Sometimes, sometimes we'll get 12 inches. Okay. It's usually one storm yeah. and then it melts out and then there's no more snow. And you get that brown sludge and then it's gone. It's like the same as, as I mean, it yeah. rains so much here that it doesn't last very long. Like, yeah, you know, fair enough. So. A couple of days, you know, I just want to say, I, I support Jeff's idea. I to get people in essentially to, to do my job live. That would be great actually. So let's, let, let's start that. Yeah. I'll just like bring up, I'll get very specific challenges for, for my job that I can't do. And people just do it. Like, well done. Thank you very much. I've loved a couple times I've done like live streaming me working on a thing mm. and I've loved that experience. And I wish there was a way to do that. That was, you know, not just mm. like showing everybody all our data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, That's the hard part, right? It's like, mm -hmm. how, can, how can I get, how can I do this and not lose my job by making all of our data public for everyone in the world. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Cool. So I'll say, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas in, uh, yeah. well, in Germany, if you manage to get here, I hope everything kind of stays open so you can uh, arrive as planned. That'd be very cool. Yeah. I'll be, I have some family friends, um, and family coming from, from the, from the UK as well. So hopefully we'll get to see them as well. And for people who joined in the chat as ever, Thank you very much. You make it very awesome. Yeah. You keep it really going. I love how you, you push it in the random directions and uh, it's very, very, very cool. This was yeah. the last one of the year. There's nothing next week because that's the 23rd and I thought that would be pushing yeah. my luck to not spend the evening on the 23rd with, <laughs> downstairs with my family. And then we are I'm back the first Thursday of next year. I forget what day that is. So that would be cool if you could join us then. But before all that, most importantly, have a wonderful Christmas or festive time or holiday time, depending on what you do or do not celebrate. Just enjoy being not at work, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. And um, yeah. thanks, everyone. It was awesome. Have a lovely time, and we'll see you next time. I'm going to end the stream, and um, I'll see you all on Twitter sometime, sometime soon, no doubt. <laughs> all right? Oh, Cheers, everyone.